is Strictly John Keith. Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. Hello, I'm John Keith, and welcome to Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. And today we've got a double for you because on this edition we're going to feature two interviews from the compelling archives of Frank McFarlane, who carried out a series of wonderful interviews with sporting greats 20 and 30 years ago. Frank, who's blind, has taped his chats to a batch of sporting greats and handed them over to City Talk, and we're having the benefit of his wonderful conversations. Today, we're going to start with a man who uh, Bob Paisley signed from Newcastle and was a, well, he was a great performer in Liverpool's midfield. It's Terry McDermott. Frank, just very quickly, always uh, always good value on the field character. and off it, and uh, a fast, as you say, a fascinating <laughs> character. Well, Terry Mack, yeah. I um, I have a friend who, who uh, y- years ago, coached Kirby Boys, and he's had some great players through his through his hands. Uh, McDermott, Dennis Mortimer, Tommy Cason, who sadly died young. And um, I contacted uh, Terry and, and interviewed him at Anfield in the boardroom. But he must have cancelled about, to be fair, four or five appointments through various things. But we, we eventually got the interview. And yet he was he was smashing, was, uh, was Terry. Uh, admitted he couldn't really head the ball too well, but uh, box-to-box players, they term it nowadays, and scored some superb goals uh, arriving late in, you know, and... Yeah. and a bit of a character, lovely man though, very pleasant, very pleasant, nice man. Well, let's hear your interview. This is Frank McFarlane talking to Terry McDermott. On a cold, wet, blustery mid-December day, I'm at Anfield today talking to a man who, as a footballer, has um, joined Liverpool a few years ago, has done very, very well with them since he joined and who's well known, I think, throughout the club anyway for his sense of humour, Terry McDermott. Terry, um, as I mentioned the weather just now, a bit wet and cold out training today, I should imagine. It, it was absolutely horrible, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, we were training this morning and never stopped with the hailstone. And they were like golf balls. We, I was trying to, I was that thin, they missed me anyway, so... <laughs> And me and Tom, me and Phil were okay because yes. we uh, didn't miss us, but um, it was a horrible morning, and um, I believe it was a, a bit worse yesterday, so we missed out yesterday because we didn't train. Yeah, you don't train Monday, do you? No, not when we um, when we've got no midweek match. We always have a Monday off, and um, we train the rest of the week. What were you doing particularly this morning? Well, basically, um, we're just having the day off on the Monday. We didn't do too much because we 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 save it all for the Wednesday. We have no midweek match. Mm. This morning we didn't. Do, we just have a little bit of a warm up. And then we go straight into five aside. We have about three different games of five aside, and then that's more or less the morning over with. That's juggling players around. Is it different sort of? Yeah, yeah. Well, he just mix the teams up and everything. Yeah. No, no yeah. Um, special teams. It doesn't mix the numbers up of the um, you know your shirt. We have different shirt mm-hmm. numbers, you know, for them cleaning and that. And just mix the numbers up, and then you know, the, um, you could be on anyone's team really. Who takes that? Well, there's Joe Fagan, Ronnie Moran. They, they, mm. they, they only um, take us for the warm-up and whatever. Yeah. I mean, once we get into the five-a-sides, they go on to their own pitch because they enjoy a game every morning as well. Yeah. Um, you, you played most of your... Well, a lot of your, your early football in with, with Kirby boys, didn't you? Yeah, I started off with Kirby boys. Um, actually, we had a, a very good team at that particular time because we, we, we had a lot of players who... Um, went into football after that, you know, with, with league clubs. You know, I'm thinking the likes of um, Dennis Mortimer, who plays for Aston Villa yeah, now. Kenny Swain, there's a Kenny Swain's gone to Aston Villa as well. <laughs> and, so, and we had a few more who went to different clubs. Fortunately, unfortunately for them, they didn't quite make it. Mm. Um, they got to apprentice stages, and yeah. um, one one or two players went to Bolton actually, but they've faded out the game now. 
but you know we we had a decent team and there was a player called John McLaughlin which mm. the Liverpool supporters should know he's yeah. played in the first team many a time at Liverpool he was our captain at that particular time so um, all in all we had a very good team then that year you then went on to Bury, I think, didn't you? For the one simple reason that no other bloody <laughs> team wanted me. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have gone anywhere. But, um, well, luckily for me, it was Bury, um, which I enjoyed five brilliant years there. You know, I loved it every minute of it, really. Even though it was the third and fourth division struggling team, I still loved the place. And, really, I didn't really want to leave there. You know, even though I was going to, I was supposed to be going to Newcastle, and I refused to go because I, was, I wanted to stay at Bury, which was a daft thing, really. Mm. But, um Obviously, I took my chance. I said, "Well, I, you know, it's the biggest chance I'll ever going to get." It's playing the first division, and luckily enough, I, um, I I got into the first team quite quickly at Newcastle, and uh, I stayed there for about 18 months in the first team, and then obviously that's when Liverpool come into it. You um, at Newcastle, and you played under Gordon Lee, I think. Didn't you? I didn't know actually. You didn't? Uh, my, my manager there then was a, a brilliant manager, as far as I was concerned at that particular time. A fellow called Joe, um, Joe Harvey. Joe Harvey. He was a, he was a, for years, wasn't he? He's been there for. Eight Ages and ages, and he's still there now. Actually, I went up and I played in the testimonial about four weeks ago, yeah. and it was great seeing him because I've not seen him for a long time. And apparently, he had a um, bad operation, but he's come through that now, and uh, you know, it's great to see him again. Uh, how did you hit, when did you first hear of Liverpool's interest? To be honest, <laughs> when I did hear about it, um, it was Phil Thompson giving me the buzz, I think it was. He told me, you know, that um, they were interested. And then ever since he told me that, they were going to watch me. <laughs> I had two <laughs> nightmare games. I got brought off. <laughs> so I thought I'd blown it, I'd, I'd blown it you see. And um, all of a sudden, we played one match at, on a Tuesday night up at Newcastle. I can't remember what match it was. And I was lying in bed the next day, the Wednesday. And Alan Kennedy, it was. I was staying digs with him up at Newcastle. He come up to the. Uh, I was in still a bed at 12 o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. And he come up and he'd been training because he hadn't played the night before. So he comes in and said that the boss wants to see me, Joe Harvey. So he said you get there as soon as you can. So I was up and away in 10 minutes. <coughs> and of course, uh, and that's when I found out that it was Liverpool that was after me. Yeah. Um, because the, the previous season, of course, uh, you'd, you'd played in the cup final against them. That's you? right, in the 74 that's cup final. It, yeah. it, was, um, it, it was a funny experience, really, because obviously I wanted to win. Uh, for Newcastle's sake, I, I done everything I could to, to make him win. But um, after the match, you know, I didn't feel any um, disappointment whatsoever, really, because it was Liverpool who beat us. Mm, yeah. I was uh, I was half pleased for them as well, you know. Um, our lads obviously were sick, but uh, I had the best of both worlds, really, you know, <laughs> yeah. because I, I obviously sick of that we lost, but it was made up that it was Liverpool who won it. Are there any particular marked changes in the setup here at Anfield compared with the setup at Newcastle, which is a, a, a lot a club with a great tradition as well. Yeah, it is. Um, it's <coughs> a tremendous tradition up at Newcastle. Uh, it's, it's a brilliant place. I loved it up there. Also, you know, I, I'm very lucky in the sense that I've been to three clubs now that I've you know I've really loved. Really. Mm. I've never really wanted to leave them. Mm. Um, Newcastle, as you say, they've got great tradition, but. I think the, the the one vital factor that's missing at Newcastle is that you know they're not really geared to winning trophies. They're quite content to stay in the you know just halfway in the second division or first division, yeah. sorry. And win the FA Cup. And win, well, yeah. now and then, yeah, which they did do, but they'd never done it when I was there. Mm. But um, they're quite, see, they're quite content to just languish in the you know the the middle half of the first division, which is no good really. Yeah. I get Liverpool. 
everything's geared to winning, you know. If, if you don't win a trophy or you come second one year, which had happened here once, we didn't win a trophy and we come second in the league, it was a disaster. Yeah, Bob Paisley's first, doesn't it? That's you know, right, that was my first year. Yeah. We, we come second, I <laughs> thought it was unbelievable, mate, and everyone was sick that we didn't win anything. <laughs> so I think that's the big, biggest factor, really. You'd say there's more pressure here on you? Um, pressure that you can stand. You, you don't mind pressure when you're winning all the yeah. time. When you're winning trophies, you don't mind that. Yeah. It's when you're, um, you're not winning trophies, you're struggling. That's when you get um, the bigger pressure. But we, we, you learn to live with it at Liverpool now. It's been going on for so many years, and I've been here for five years. And uh, we've won trophies, as I say, nearly every year. So you just get used to it, and, and that's what it's geared to, winning trophies. And on a sort of personal side, any particular friends you have in the Liverpool setup? I mean, obviously you know all you know them all well. But any anyone with a particular friend who do you room with, for example, when you go away? Yeah, well, when I go away with um, with Liverpool, I room with Phil Thompson every every time. Mm. But um, when I go to with England, I room with Emma News. So, you know, I, I like mixing with captains now, you see. You know, <laughs> something might rub off on me, you know. But, um, you know, I like to think we're all friends of mine, you know, because, um, you know, we're all in the same boat together. We're all wanting to win things. We're all wanting to make money. We're all wanting to do everything together. So I think you've got, you know, you're making enemies out of them. Mm. Um, but, you know, you, you like to think that they're all friends of yours. Moving to the England setup. Um, Terry, how do you, or, or can you, sort of say anything to explain the... the the upsurge, the upswing in England's soccer fortunes compared with, you know, three years ago. Yeah, um, I think the, the one biggest factor is um, Ron Greenwood. You know, they, I don't think they could have picked a better man for the job. To be honest, obviously I'm saying this because he picked me into the um, squad and picked me into the team or whatever. But um, without that, you know, he's such a nice bloke and he, you know, he's a, as I say, he's the right man for the job. You know, I don't think anyone else could have done exactly the same job as what he's done. Seems and to get the best out of Well, he, he, he's, got, he's, got, he's got players there that all want to play for England now, you yeah. know. There's been times when players have played for England and then couldn't give two hoots if they play or not, you know. Um, but now he's got every, every one of the single player in that squad wants to play for England and want to do well for England. And obviously um, he's getting the best out of every player that he's got there. Um, obviously, you get, you're disappointed when you're not playing, but you know I think just being part and parcel of the squad, which has done well in the, in the last two years he's had it at the team, um, it, it's a great feeling, and obviously he's reaping the benefits by taking us to Rome. How important is it then that you know we, we read a lot and we hear a lot about the the importance of a, of a, a squad of 20 or 22? I mean, obviously only 11 can play and only three or five more can be subs. How important is it then that that you are actually there for the two or three days and even if you're not even in among the subs? Yeah, uh, obviously it is important. It's important for yourself. It's important that you've got players that want to play for the country. Um, obviously, as you say, you are, you are disappointed when you're not in the team, but. When you substitute, you know it's a big thrill. But you know, being in the squad, I think that's the main thing. I think you're more obviously you'd be more disappointed if you weren't in the squad. But um, when you're in the squad, you you just feel a happy family. Everyone's uh, um, laughing and joking, which which you should do really, you know. And that's what's the basis of a good team he's got. What do you see other players doing, and you think, you know? I, no, I wish I could do it that yeah. that well. Is there anything? Yeah, it's, I think obviously tackling. I'm not the best tackler in the world. Um, Eden, I can't help Ed for Toffee. How I scored that goal against Tottenham, I'll, better, I'll never know. <laughs> I'd have closed my eyes and I couldn't believe it had gone into the net. But um, that's not, you know, they're two, one of, two of my weaknesses, I think. Um, what about your strengths? Strengths, well, obviously, um, running, um, knowing when to run, 
you know, getting into space, you know, staying in space early. But that's important, is it, because it, it's, it's very easy to run out of a good space? Of course it? it is, yeah, you know, you, you get people who can run, but they, don't, they haven't got a clue where they're going to run to. <laughs> you know, they're just running anywhere, really. You're talking to one. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, obviously, uh, <laughs> it, it's not when to run and when not to run, and I think I've learned that over the years since I've been at Liverpool. I don't think I ever done that when I was at Newcastle. Um, coming to Liverpool, obviously, they've, <coughs> they've showed me how to do it and to, told me when to do it. And uh, obviously, I'm reaping the benefits now because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm running to position and scoring goals, which I've not done for since I started playing football. To be honest, that, that's one of the things you see, you say Liverpool have helped to change for, for the better. Are, are there any other sides to your football that where, where you think it's definitely improved from the time when you used to play with Newcastle? Yeah, um, obviously, um, I think. I'm playing for 90 minutes, I think there was a time when I first came here, I used to play for 45 minutes and I was sleeping the second half, you know, and uh, looking back on now, the boss used to tell me that at the time, but I didn't, I used to think he was talking a lot of nonsense really, yeah. but um, yeah. looking back on it now, he was absolutely right, I used to, as I say, play for 45 minutes, I would keep for the next half an hour and then sure. decide to get involved again, you know, yeah. which is no good to anyone really, but now, I feel that I'm involved all the time, the full 90 minutes, which is um, which is obviously benefited to me as well by through getting into the England squad. Um, and I think, I think basically um, my skills have got a little bit better as well, you know. And you know, I'm I'm a bit more aware of what's happening around me than I ever was. Um, mind you, I think that the greatest factor is is that I'm playing with good players now. I'm yes, not, yeah. They're all internationals, almost. Well, they're all internationals, yeah. But I was playing with good players at Newcastle at that time, but. You know, there's some not so good players that you know, and I think you know you've got to have 11 good players, which Liverpool have got now. And well, they haven't got 11; they've got about 15. You know, mm -hmm. so you look at to be in the team. But um, it, you know, it's I think I've benefited all round. You know, since I've come to Liverpool, and it's the best move anyone could ever have. I think. It seems to me, I don't know from the records, but it seems to me you score more goals now than you. Newcastle. Yeah, what I was about. Yeah, especially this season. Um, last season, I was I was getting in positions, but the ball I must have hit the woodwork about twenty times <laughs> last year. You know, the post, the bar, and everything. Um, but this year, yeah, I've, I've hit the post a few times as well. But I've also scored goals. I've, I've scored in, in all competitions. I don't know around about the twelve mark this year, mm. which is unbelievable really because I only I only normally get about four or five a season, and I've got a, I've got eight in the league this year already. And it's, it's only halfway through, so hoping for it. I'm over. I can break double figures at least. All footballers today, I think, top line footballers have their their moments with referees. Would you make any comment on the consistency of referees? I always ask this of players. Yeah. Do you think they're they're consistent enough? Are they strict enough? Are they fair? Well, without being too critical of referees, um, obviously they've got a hard job. They've got to make a, a decision in a split second. It's all right, you know. You can watch the television at night and they can show it in slow motion and whatever. But they've got to make that decision there and then, and obviously we know it's a hard job. You know we 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 respect them for that in that res um, sense. But um, there are so many inconsistent referees. You know one week you can do something, and you know the referee wouldn't say a thing to you, and then the next week you can do exactly the same thing and you get you in the book, which is well you know that's inconsistency in it. You know, and um, I think they've got to they've got to do something about it before they get to anywhere. Would you be happier as a player if referees came into each dressing room before a game and said exactly what he was expecting or not? No, um, well, I, did, I think they've tried that before, <coughs> but it, it didn't work. I don't think the referee could do that, really. Um, no, he can only come in for five minutes beforehand and say, well, you can do this, you can't do that. But once you get onto the pitch, 
you know, um, you don't know where you stand with them, really. Some of them, you know, obviously there is good referees, you, you know where you stand, and you've got an idea what you can get away with and what you can't get away with. It. But there's referees that you haven't got a clue what, you know, if you're going to do something, you know, obviously you don't ex- want to do a, a thing wrong, kick anyone or have an accident, and um, the referee will book you for something that you, you'd done the week before and um, never didn't get a booking or nothing. Changing from football, uh, Terry, have you got any particular hobbies outside the game? Yeah, I like playing golf. <laughs> to be honest, I like I, I'm a little bit of a golf fanatic. In the summer, I wouldn't play in the winter when it's cold. Um, I like playing snooker. I've just been given my first cue by a friend of mine uh, mm-hmm. a week ago, so I'm really chuffed about that yeah. because I can't afford that cue. So <laughs> well, I'm quite. a tight suddenly. <laughs> Mr. Labrooks has got all my money. You say. <laughs> I did, and I'd rather gathered that uh, when I've been looking for you once or twice. I've heard from Phil Thompson said, "Oh, he's just gone. He's gone off to the bed, but he will see you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I like. I, like I, I must admit, I like horse racing as well. I like to go there as often as I can. Mm. Um, it's a great thrill, especially the jump season. I like the yeah. hurdlings and the chasings yeah. more so than the flat. Yeah. But any racing, you know, I love dog racing. Um, Anybody else from the club uh, interested in that? Yeah, there's Alan Hansen. Is he? Yeah, he but, he, but yeah, but he's a jockey, see, and he doesn't gamble as much as anyone well. else. You know, he, you know, he's a 50p each way man. <laughs> but uh, apart from that, you know, there's too many. David Johnson, he likes a bet. Mm. But apart from that, I don't think there's anyone who likes a big bet anyway. Any any snooker players that? Uh, yeah, well, they all say champion? they all say the good players. You know, when no one sees them playing, you know, <laughs> they all say, oh, I can do this, I can do that. But when you see them play, they never do it. But they always yes. make an excuse saying that's an off day. But uh, I don't think there's anyone <coughs> too interested in snooker. I think I must be one of the only ones, I think. Mm. Getting back to, to football, you, you're with a, a top-line club and the travelling Liverpool players do is, is, is phenomenal. Does it ever, uh, I've asked around two players, does it ever get on your nerves? Do you ever think, you know, if only I could have a week where you mm. don't have to do any travelling at all? Yeah, we do, we do that during the summer. <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that, yeah, it, it does get a little bit monotonous. <coughs> Um, you get a little bit fed up of travelling down to Brighton and places like that. Ipswich, we were long journeys, yeah, no going right. by two different trains, changing really coaches and everything. So, you know, you don't enjoy trips like that. But it's I didn't think Liverpool players changed trains. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're not as well off as what you think, really, you see. <laughs> but it, it's always like when you go down to these sort of places, <laughs> it's always nice coming back when you've won. But it's a mm. horrible trip when you've got beat. Long way to go. When you got, yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, I, I don't mind it, to be honest. Cause we, we, we have a f- um, force and we play cards and it, you know it, it knocks the time off anyway you know so you just forget about the time really is there any part of the english game that you'd like to change any rules or anything that goes on that you'd like people who who can only kick who go out onto the pitch and they can only kick that's the, you know that's how they make a living well you know that, that's no way to play football so i'd like to see the them sort of people kicked out the game um, because before they kick other people out the game are there many around? Um, the I don't think there's that many, no. But there is a one or two, and uh, you know, I think they know who they are as well. They can't play football; they've got to just kick, and that's why how they make a living. I know it sounds a little bit harsh, but um, you know, I think these are the people that are spoiling the game, and uh, they're spoiling matches, to be honest. And, um, you know, I think they, they're the main ones that I'd like to see change, get them out of the game. Do you fancy uh, abroad at all? The American scene is that with its money and glamour? Does that entice you? As well? I think any any player who who doesn't want to earn a living? You've got. To, I think that's first and foremost in most players' minds. That really, that you've got to, you've got to think of yourself when you finish football. What are you going to do? And obviously, you know, it, the more money you've got, the better it's going to be. Um, I think, yeah, I, I would possibly like to go abroad. You know, to try my luck. Obviously, for financial as well as the football. But I think more financial, really, to be honest, because um, 
I'm such a dummy, me, you know, off the field that, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know what I'm going to do when I finish football, so I'm going to get as much money as I can and then uh, I'll just live on that. You try to be the comedian. <laughs> <laughs> I am, if you see me playing, if you see me on Saturday. <laughs> <coughs> so the day, sort of, your, your plans for the future, possibly going abroad, but nothing... Uh, well, I'd like to think I could, um, to, yeah, I would like to go abroad, to be honest. Uh, I'd like to make money, for that's probably the sole reason, to be honest with you. But you're yeah. going to turn out for the first team on Saturday? Well, I'll be here if they still want me. Uh, that's the sickening part of it, really, is that you've got to go abroad to play your football. Yes. Obviously, I don't want to go abroad to play football. I want to go abroad to make money. Well, not to, solely to make money, but that's, the, that's one of the priorities yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, but you know, It's a pity that players have got to go abroad when you know there's such clubs like Liverpool where everyone wants to play. I'd, want to, I'd love to stay here the rest of my career, but obviously the money's going to be some, it's not going to be here. It's going to, it's going to have to be abroad, and possibly that's where I'm going to have to Ago. Hopefully. When you say abroad, d does America particularly uh, entice you, or, or Germany, like is yeah, Spain think, and others? Yeah, um, well, I think Germany more than anywhere on the continent, I would be honest with you. I think that I wouldn't like to go and play in Spain, I don't think. I wouldn't like to go and play in Italy. I think Germany would be the only one I'd like to play in. But America, possibly, yeah, because, you know, they, they, it's such a good life as well, isn't it? You know, the mm. weather, you've got the weather there, you're guaranteed weather. And, uh, Obviously, the football's not as a standard what it is over here, but um, the people that you talk to have been over there, they've absolutely loved it. So, you know, why not go over there and make some money? This is Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9, and you've just heard Frank McFarlane's wonderful interview with former Liverpool and England midfielder Terry McDermott. Now, after the break, we've got another Liverpool legend who's going to be talking to Frank McFarlane. That's David Johnson, who also, of course, played for Everton. That's on City Talk 105.9. Don't go away. Come back after the break. This is Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. Welcome back to Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. In the first half, you heard Frank McFarlane in this series of wonderful interviews he's carried out, talking to former Liverpool midfielder Terry McDermott. Now we're going to turn to another former Anfield legend, and he also played for Everton, of course, early in his career. It's David Johnson, who also, like Terry McDermott, played for England. So has Frank McFarlane talking to David Johnson. Right from the way I go, I've played for school size from when I was eight, eight, nine. I played for a team in Liverpool called Joseph Williams, yeah. uh, which had a very, very good side. We got to the final two years on the run. Um, then I, I moved to Gatwick Comprehensive, and uh, in the first year we had trials naturally for the, for the school team. Um, and I played in the school side from the first year right through to the fourth. Mm. Uh, while I was at the school, they also sent me for trials for local schoolboys. I was fortunate enough to, to play for local schoolboys and we went on to win the English Trophy, mm. which, as you, I think, as you know, is a, um, the equivalent to the FA Cup at yeah. our level. Yeah. So it was very, very, we had a very, very good side then. And um, when I was 15, I signed apprentice forms for... Uh, Everton, may, may I say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I believe I've heard you say before you 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 were always a Liverpool. Yeah, well, when I was at school in Liverpool, you know, uh, you, ha you have to either support Everton or Liverpool, yeah. and um, I always I always supported Liverpool, basically because uh, my brother was a Liverpoolian, and uh, he he drummed me into being a Liverpoolian, and obviously uh, they, they've always been. A successful side, and um, 
at that, at that age, you're very impressionable, and uh, I, I, I was a Liverpool fan for that reason because they were a very, very successful oh. side. Mm. I didn't watch them as much as I, I would like to have watched them because I, I played so much football anyway. Because I not only played for the schoolboys side and Liverpool schoolboys, I also played for a boys club. Mm. And apart from training and playing football, I didn't have that much time to go and watch the football. But I watched them whenever I could. When you went to Ipswich, did you have any great difficulty adjusting to a different sort of lifestyle? At first, yes, because I, I left home and I was moved into, into a hotel down in Ipswich, which uh, is no good for a footballer anyway, to mm. live in a hotel. No. So that while I was looking for a house, I, I moved into digs. And uh, the digs were, were very, very nice, but it's not the same as, as living at home or in your, your own home. Um, and then I, I finally found a house. And obviously, as you say, it's very, very difficult to to settle down in a new environment. But uh, I was very, very fortunate where the football was going very, very well. And there were a good bunch of lads as well. I've, got, I've, got, I've still got very, very close connections with Ipswich because... It, I've kept very, very good friends with, with a number of the players. Uh, I don't know about off the field, but on the field, you formed up a fair relationship with um, Trevor Weimar, didn't you? That's right, yeah. <coughs> um, we were both very, very similar players, <coughs> physique-wise. We, we were both same height, the same sort of weight. Uh, we were both pretty good in the air and, and reasonable on the floor. And, the, and Ipswich played to those strengths. I think you passed a bit, bit quicker over 20 yards, aren't you? <laughs> Oh, no, Trevor was surprisingly quick. What was he? Yeah, yeah he yeah, was, yeah. yeah. People, people get the wrong impression. Yeah, in training, he was always there or thereabouts in sprints. But Ipswich and Liverpool, uh, or Everton even, uh, the, the teams are, are basically different. Yeah. yeah. We're we yeah. playing completely different football. Different sessions. Yeah, uh, at Ipswich. And obviously we play even more different now that I play for, for Liverpool. See, at Everton, we had Joe Royal as the main target man, and people used to play off Joe. At Ipswich, there was Trevor and myself up front, and the team used to play off Trevor and myself. We didn't just play off Trevor, it was both of us, so we shared the load. And um, obviously here, there's Kenny and myself, and we're completely different players, and I, I'm, I'm physically bigger than, than Kenny, and Kenny's brilliant on the floor, and obviously I'm, I'm better than the other Kenny. Or so, so, so people say. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Bit of a useful player to play with, though, isn't he? Kenny. Kenny. Oh, oh I, absolutely, yeah. Well, as I say, he's, he's, he's not only a delight to play with, but I would hate to be a defender having to mark him because he's, he's as I say, he's a law unto himself. He, he, he makes up his own rules hmm. as he goes along. Um, what about managers, um, David? Did you... Um I mean, well, obviously, when I was with Everton, I was a young, a young player just coming to the scene, and Harry Catrick was a was a man who who ruled with an iron rod, and yes. obviously, I didn't have the confidence then to to know what it was all about, and I was obviously scared stiff of the man. I went down to Ipswich, and Bobby Robson was was a superb man, absolutely a, a delight to work for. We not only became good friends, but I, I, I admire the man as well for what he did for Ipswich. Mm. Unfortunately, all good things do come to an end, and I had the opportunity of coming back to Liverpool and uh, snapped up the chance, and now I, I work under Bob Paisley, 
and different uh, again, I would think. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a quiet, unassuming sort of character, and you you would expect him to be something of an extrovert to manage mm. Liverpool, but he's not. Mm. He plays everything low profile, and mm. again, he, he he's he's manager of the year two years. Yeah. On the top, yeah, he's another superb manager. I know from the fans' point of view that they must put a lot of pressure on you to succeed every time you go out and step on any football field. You are, you're going to win, they assume. Yeah. You, are you conscious of this pressure, or does it ever get too much? No. When I was when I was younger, uh, the pressure was on, on you then to try and establish yourself. But over the over the years, and um, with more experience, you, you tend to, to have a bit more belief in yourself, and Obviously, the, the crowds want you to win every every time you go out and play, but I think they realise as well it's, it's virtually impossible. Although Liverpool very very nearly always <laughs> yeah. always yeah. do achieve yeah. the impossible. But um, at Anfield, when the crowd come, fortunately over the last two or three seasons, you know, we haven't sort of had that very very, very many defeats. Mm. Well, we haven't been beaten here for, for two years, and um, so they, they do tend to expect you to win. Mm. At home, but uh, at Ipswich, every every team likes to see the team doing well at home, and I suppose that does really put a little bit of pressure because you, every team wants to succeed in the first division, and you, the the first uh, ingredient for for winning the first division is winning all your home games. Yeah, um, and the crowd are paying the money to to come to the turnstiles and, and be entertained, and they don't want to see their their own team being beaten. So that, that, that's the only pressure I think can be put on a player. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't feel pressure at all, really. To be perfectly honest. You don't. No, hmm. no, I don't. Hmm. Uh, I, I go out there and uh, I'm being paid to do a job, and I try to do my job to the best of my ability. So that that that, that eases my conscience actually under pressure because I think, well, if I go out and I try my best, you know, that's that's all you can offer anybody. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and then right. and then even if you fall below that. At least the, the effort should still be there. Even if you're having a bad time, the effort should still be there. So that, that eases the pressure on me, because I know that I'm going to go out and I'm going to try my best. Talking of effort and sort of play, I, I, I know you, you believe, don't you, that, that, that scoring goals, obviously, is one of the things you're there for, but that's not the be-all and end-all of, end all of, of the forward play, is it? No, no, because it's a team game. And it doesn't matter who scores, it? doesn't matter who scores the goals. And Liverpool, we're fortunate <laughs> in, in, in the fact that um, we've got Field players all capable of scoring goals, mm. and Kenny, throughout his career, as, as his statistics say, uh, he scored one in every two games. So he's he's a goal scorer. So we, we've got a lot, lot of potential in the side to score goals. Mm. And this season, I've I've had good runs of the ball, and I've scored quite a few goals. So it's not it's not we don't put uh, too much onus on on one person scoring goals. We spread it amongst the whole side, which is not a bad thing, really, because mm. then. It gives the opposition a, a lot more problems when they come to uh, when they when they come to do their match plans before, before yeah. the players. It's it's they're they're going to stop <laughs> the score goals, or they can't. They virtually can't do it because there's only family who doesn't score goal. This is Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. Welcome back to Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. And we're now going to continue the conversation from the first half, which is Frank McFarlane talking to another sporting great, in this case, David Johnson. Here's his interview. Are you particularly nervous, sort of, Frank, before a game? Um, no, I've, I've, I've conquered that. Right at, at the start of my career, yeah. I used to tend to be a lot, very, very nervous on a Friday night and have trouble sleeping and 
and then really get excited for the game. But it takes too much out of you, so mm. it's in your own interest to, yeah, it's in your own interest to to overcome that. And uh, I have, you know, I, I feel quite relaxed uh, on a Friday night. I sleep well. I travel to the game. That you, although you, the, you tend to think it's, it's not affecting you, but I think it does really. But you still think about the game. It still builds up. But you, I've, mine's under control with a lot of pl- players that I take over. Yeah, yeah. And it drains you, doesn't it? Oh, I, yeah. Well, it used to. You yeah. used to feel really, really, really drained and tired during a game, and that was only because of nerves. Have you got any particular superstitions or set sort of peculiar, what we might think peculiar routine before any, any matches? I think every footballer has. Yeah. Um, my particular one is, is uh, I always go through the same routine on a Saturday. That's a warm-up routine. Um, I do exactly the same things. And when I'm getting changed, which is the, my main superstition, is I put everything on uh, left first. Uh, I put yeah. my left sock on, right. left yeah. strapping on my ankles first, left tie-ups on the, le- on the left pad on the left leg. I do everything left. Put my left foot into my shorts first. Yeah. I make sure I always do, um, do that. Mm. Uh, it, it's I don't know what it is. It's, it's just superstition. Yeah. And then Kenny and myself always do the same things um, in our kicking before the game starts. Yeah. Yeah, we do exactly the same things, which would probably take too much of your time to explain. Yeah. But, yeah. but we, we do a little bit of shooting, and Kenny crosses balls on the left, where Ray Clements rolls the ball out to me, I pass it out to him, and he crosses it to Clem. Yeah. And then we we alternate it to the right and do exactly the same thing. And then when the referee and linesman comes out. Uh, Kenny gives Ray Clemens some handling while I do some runs across the pitch. So we do the same things every, every match. In this day and age, with, with the money that's at stake, do you feel that uh, you're you are protected enough by referees for uh, against some of the that the centre backs should come up against? Uh, the referees are the best in the world coming from England. Do you think so? Yeah, mm. absolutely. But unfortunately, a lot of them haven't played professional football. And the, they are a little bit inconsistent. You'll have one referee who'll give you, who'll, who'll stop the game every time there's a free kick. And then there's referees who let play go on too much and, and don't penalise the obvious blatant tackle. Um, and then I think you can get four points for, for showing descent by throwing the ball down. And there are some tackles which are a bit, a bit too high and threaten. Uh, a player's career because yeah. after all if, if, if yeah. a player goes over the top and uh, not, on, not only injures him and probably puts him on for three or four games which is very very important in Anfield because if you're on for three or four games somebody else comes in takes your place and then you find it very very difficult to come back again yeah. so it's threatening your livelihood and the obvious thing is if he breaks your leg and you can't play again and that, that, that's only one to uh, like a four, four point same. the same yes. as Sean yeah. Descent yeah. so it's very very consistent <coughs> And uh, I think if a lot more referees were, had played the game professionally, or, or had a lot more say in, in the in the point system given to to mm. offences, mm. um, you could work out a little bit bit more uh, yeah, yeah. protection for players. But I I'm in touch with that. I I I found it throughout my career, basically it's, it's been pretty, you know very very good. Mm. But uh, as I say, I, I don't agree with four points for throw, uh, throwing the ball down and four points for mm-hmm. a size and tackle. Yeah. Do you think too much, I mean, we, we've talked about how much a physical game it is. Do you think too much goes on in the opposition penalty area? Well, as I say, I'm, it's a man's game. And you can 
It's a physical contact game, and you can't stop it. It'll cease to be the game that we know if if you, if it stops being a physical game. That's what makes it so exciting. Yeah. See, it is a physical yes. game. Yeah. Um, I've no, I've no beef about what what goes on a, uh, on the pitch. The only thing is, is if it's a really blatant malicious tackle, well then then that's that's something which upsets me because it's a fellow professional trying to. Put you out of the game. Yeah, and your job, your livelihood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course it is. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the fair tackle, the 50-50 tackles, and uh, that's, 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 all good, that's all part of the game. We've, we've not only got the, the, the best league in the world, the best referees, the best footballers, as far as I'm concerned, although yeah. it hasn't really been that way in the, in the past few years. Everybody else is envious of our football, and we're, we are the only people who knock it. You know, which, yeah, which is stupid. Everybody else is, is... Which is characteristic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we knock uh, we, what we think is great. You know, I yeah. think our, our football is the, is the best in the world. And uh, I, I wouldn't... I, I'm not one of these people who go along with the, with the media and think that uh, we should knock English football because, I mean, as I say, it's, it's the best. Do you think financially you're rewarded enough for the risk you take? Um, well, again... Uh, <laughs> Greater people than, than, than themselves have, have answered that question. Obviously, we all we all want to get more out of the game, but it's like everybody else uh, in the country. They always want more, and there's got, there has to become a limit. There's a there's a difference in our game. Is that is that uh, I left school when I was 15 to become a professional footballer, and I know I don't know any other trade except the footballer, mm. and. I don't know any other trade where where you finish at 35. I mean, I'm finished when I'm 35, and after that, if I haven't been very very lucky and very very careful, mm. I'm going to, I'm going to find myself very very short of money, yeah. And, yeah. and and no trade to turn to. So obviously, footballs have to be looked at uh, to a lesser extent in a different category. Because we it's a short life. Isn't it's it? a sh- very short life, so we have to. I don't, I, I really don't know. I mean, obviously, I, w- I would like to earn money tax-free. So yeah. at the end of the at the end of the day, I'll be able to sit down and say, well, I've made some wise investments, and yeah. and and go from there. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't always work out that way, as we can see. There's a lot of footballers around the country at the moment who, who played for England, played for the country, and yet and yet financially they, they, they struggle. Yeah. And so it must be wrong somewhere. And sad, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I, as I said, I, I would like... There has to be some sort of leeway for, for professional footballers. And I think they're only just uh, realising it now because footballers are going abroad to to chase the, um, the financial side of it and the security which, which it will bring. And obviously it might affect the English football. If so many players do go abroad, I don't want to go abroad. I, I'm happy with England, England and English football. But there must come a time where you, where you sit down and look at look at your bank balance and look at your family and your and your children, and after all, we have to think about our families. Yeah. You know, yeah. I have to think. Well, uh, I want my my two daughters brought up in the in the way they're being accustomed to being brought up now, and I don't want to have to fall below that standard right. of living when I when I finish yeah. football, which is, is in the very very near future. David, as far as the future is concerned, there's a lot of talk about um, England players. Going to Europe, Kevin Keegan, Dave Watson, etc. Um, America. Have you any thoughts of? I mean, obviously at the moment you presumably you're fairly happy at Anfield, but yeah. you know in the future would would you like to try the American setup out, for example? 
That's a very difficult question because I, I, I tried to answer that before. Obviously, there's going to come a time when I'm going to have to think, well, how many years I've got left in the game, how much money I've got as security, and obviously, if they don't balance, and then I'm going to have to start thinking of, of uh, looking after my family. Mm. You know, you have to have a certain amount of loyalty, and, and that's what contracts are for. I wouldn't never dream of breaking a contract. Mm. Um, unless it was absolutely necessary, where, where both sides were, were agreeable. But uh, that, that stage hasn't happened, you know, hasn't occurred yet. I'm very, very happy at the moment because I'm playing on the side and we're doing well. And things are going great, so I wouldn't like to disrupt that or even think about disrupting it. Mm. But there must come a time when you sit down, as I said, I said to you before, and you think to yourself, well, will I be able to manage if I carry on playing for the one side? Because obviously, the, you can earn quite a quite a bit of money if you go abroad, especially if you play for Liverpool. Mm. Now, if you play for Liverpool and you've been successful at the club, well, then obviously other people are going to be interested in you, yeah. and uh, you can earn quite a quite a bit of cash. Although I wouldn't know that because I've, yeah. <laughs> I've only yeah. come from other, yeah. from lesser teams yeah. and come to Liverpool. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, nothing against Everton, I mean. Uh, <laughs> I've got to be no. very very careful. <laughs> uh, it's true. Uh, yeah. But. I, I I don't even think about it at the moment because, as I say, everything's going sweet as enough. Mm. And uh, if if there ever ever uh, arose, I've made a move once before, so I thought I could do it again. Well, Frank David Johnson, a wonderful interview there. Again, um, never stuck for something to say. Uh, a lively guy on and off the field. Um, an old-fashioned centre forward, really. We don't see too much of his like mm. around today although of course now Andy Carroll is there and he's a well he's a huge version of the traditional British centre forward but there aren't many about now are there? No that's right um, David Johnson um, I reminded him before we began the interview it was in the boardroom in Anfield that um, he had um, he was the cause of one of my most upsetting moments in football because one time and one time only as a Liverpoolian um, have I visited the Gladys Street end uh, we couldn't get tickets and, and and but in those days as a Liverpool supporter you could wear your scarf in in the Gladys Street and similarly um, Evertonians could go in the cop and no one was going to thump you or anything and David Johnson scored the Everton winner the only goal of the match in about sixty odd minutes in yes. the second half and I, and yes. I thought oh yeah great so I reminded him about that but. But, uh, we conducted the interview. Uh, very, <laughs> yes. very pleasant. Yes, we heard, yeah. yeah very pleasant. Nice man. Lovely man. And um, had a lot to say and some great ideas. Because, of course, he, he, he travelled a bit. I mean, Ipswich, Everton, Liverpool. Yeah, he did. And played for England. Terrific Indeed. player. And, uh, yes, he'll go down as, um, as, one of the, uh, as one of the great centre-forwards on Merseyside. Frank McFarlane, thank you very much. We've, pleasure, had a, we've had a bonus today. We've had two interviews, and they are wonderful. There'll be more in this wonderful collection from Frank McFarlane on City Talk 105.9. But from this edition of Strictly John Keith, goodbye. Strictly John Keith, City Talk 105.9.